gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. We are post-teal season here in Wisconsin, and I do apologize for not getting an episode out last week, but uh, we had bought a different property. Um, So we have two properties now, and the one needed to be set up for hunting season. So we were teal hunting in the morning and busting our butts on the other property, uh, getting it ready for duck season as well as deer season, which is a pretty big undertaking when you got to stick up tree stands and work on duck blinds and even just figure out where to sit. Uh, It's it's a hundred acres, so it was it it was quite uh, quite an experience, and it was something that took up uh, all of uh, my son's time and I. Uh, Callahan went up with me. And uh, we were we were working some long days. Boy, we uh, we really put in some hours, uh, but we got a lot of good hunting in too. Uh, we ended up shooting uh, a good number of teal, and it was fun because I had my son running the dogs. He's 15, Callahan, and uh, I had two dogs up that had never really duck hunted before. My dogs, Ace and Tank, both of them have accomplished a ton in the hunt test uh, circuit. And it was time to get them out and let them go on some real duck hunts so that they could understand what their training is all about. And working with dogs that were novices as hunters as well as a uh, novice handler made for some interesting times, but also gave me some great ideas on what to talk about. Uh, We really worked hard on making sure that the dogs were steady. Here, come here. Sorry about that. I had a dog grab a obnoxious toy that you do not want to hear while we're doing the podcast. So anyway, we worked with the dogs on being steady. And by steady, I don't mean steady till we were done shooting. But with the teal hunting we had and the numbers of birds we had around on occasion, we actually would knock birds down and if they were set, they were not moving, and we still had birds around, we would let them sit out in the water. Um, there was no, um, no current, so it wasn't like the birds were going to float away. And the dogs looking at them, and on three different occasions, my dog Ace, who's got his finish title, his master title, he's qualified all age, he's got derby points, he's got a grand pass. He actually broke three times, so it was correcting him. And then teaching my son how to, one, correct the dog, but two, then Ace got the attitude of, I don't like you. Even though he was still doing the work, he got the I don't like you attitude. So then how to bring his spirits back up and be positive with them so that he understands you have to listen and go when I say, and this is going to be a lot of fun, but there's still rules. Uh, We'll just say Ace went self-employed a few times. Uh, Also teaching my son how to handle dogs on blind retrieves and on marks if the dog lost where the bird was was very interesting. So we'll start with the corrections. Um, When 
dogs break, I have the co an e-collar on them, and I use continuous until the dog turns as you're telling them here, here, here. We could have let the dog break and shoot at birds, but in the past, especially when we were doing TV, I had issues with dogs breaking because you're being filmed, you have to get birds, and it's just kind of a different animal from hunting when you're filming a hunt. So my goal with these two dogs is to really, really buckle down hard on them so that they understand that they can't break. So it's continuous until the dog turns to come back and then calling them back in. If they stop, and they decide to head back out, it's nicking them with a here with the collar and making sure they come all the way back in to a sit and a heel on either their dog stand or in the duck blind. So we had to do that three times with Ace on the last hunt. Uh, it was tough. We had a ton of birds by us. Um, big ducks, little ducks, uh, big duck season's closed. All you could shoot was teal. Uh, but he was seeing birds down. He was seeing birds uh, flying around. It was, it was a circus. So really... Put the screws to him that way. Uh, have been working with him since the hunt to get his spirits back up because we really hurt his feeling uh, when he <laughs> when he got corrected. Um, as far as his handling and his marking, he did phenomenal. His handling was crisp. Um, took cast the right way. Uh, casted him off of Old Falls, which at one point we had a we were hunting in a pond that had a ton of uh, duckweed and weeds in it. And there were lines all over the pond from where the dog was going. Uh, so it looked kind of cool. But Ace did a wonderful job there and really helped us get some good solid work in with him. Um, when my son was handling the dogs, he's 15 again, it was fun because I was teaching him how not to flash cast, which is you get excited when you're casting and there's other birds around and you want to hurry and you start throwing your hand up super fast yelling the command and telling him to actually put his hand up at a slow to moderate pace, wait until his hand is extended in the, the, the cast you're going to give and then saying the cast to the dog and holding the cast for several seconds after the dog has turned and taken a correct cast. Uh, this was something that on the last day I ran the dog uh, when I was running Ace and I really got, got a chance to show uh, both my boys and well, as well as my son's girlfriend, how to do the casts and how to hold it on them so that the dogs then understand they have to take these casts. Now, when these dogs were trained, they were competition dogs. The kennel that we bought them from is uh, down in uh, Georgia, Mossy Pond Retrievers, and they do more angle backs on overs. So they don't have a solid direct over, their overs are almost like an angle back 45. So it was also teaching the kids, as well as me learning with the dogs, how they're going to do these casts and anticipating not letting the dog get in too close so that you have to give them a hard over and you can do that 45 uh, angle over. This is going to give us something to work on in the off season um, so that they understand. I want them to give them a direct over. Um, angle overs work great when you're running uh, big time hunt tests or field trials. They don't work as well in the type of hunting I am doing, which is on smaller water, more constricted, where if the dog is offline, I, I would either have to call them back in or uh, because it can't give them a direct over. So we're going to work with that in the off season um, on our handling to give them uh, a direct over so they're at a 90 degree and not a 45 degree angle back, albeit once you understand that and anticipate it, the dogs did work really, really well. The other thing I worked with my son on was teaching him how to run 
the birds to the wind side. And obviously it's not going to be what you do necessarily during competition. You try to keep a dog on a line, but I was teaching him how if the dog is fading to the wind side, you can let them continue to take that direction because once they hit the scent cone, the dogs will then smell the bird and go over and grab it. So it was interesting to watch the handler and the dog as they took cues from each other and my son could understand when the dog had sent, when the dog was headed over, and when the dog was uh, going all the way uh, to the cast as opposed to, uh, as opposed to uh, when the dog was uh, uh, lost and, and, and just kept on uh, fading and scalloping, um, which is not handling properly. But letting him get in the scent cone and then when the dog got the scent, I would still have him stop the dog and then give the dog a directional cast if needed, um, if it wasn't a straight back, so that the dog and the handler also got confidence to work with each other. With that idea being given, let's say the dog's off about 15 feet um, to the right of, of, a, of a marked or, or of a down bird, the dog is, the dog is uh, gonna continue on that line. They get to the point where they hit the wind. At that point, I would tell them stop them and then I would have them either give the dog a, uh, an over or a back uh, to that side so the dog would understand, yes, this is the cast I'm gonna take. It built confidence with my son, it built confidence with the dog, it made them more of a team so they had confidence in each other so that when he's giving casts, the dog is going to take them and understand that he's directing them to the bird. Uh, the other thing that I worked with my son on uh, that is very common uh, with people is I worked with him on having him call the dog back in right away before he switched birds. I never want him to switch birds where they're going to go from one bird to the other. Uh, so the dog comes back in, gets back in, how to line him up so his spine is facing right at the next bird and then sending him again on his name. So that worked out real well too. Um, the other thing, oh gosh, one other that I worked with hard, blowing hard into his whistle. He, my boy, and I've seen it with a lot of clients too, you don't just, you blow into the whistle but not with authority. You need to have beep, beep, beep for a hear or a beep for a, uh, for a uh, whistle sit or a stop so you can give them directions. And so often with clients as well as what I saw with my son, you're, you're getting not that much force and a tail off at the end. So the dog is possibly not hearing or not understanding because it's used to those authoritative whistleblows. So that was what we worked on uh, with him in the field, uh, with the dogs and uh, with the dogs themselves. It was, it was a lot of fun. Again, we, we, had a, we had a blast. We shot a lot, probably should have hit, uh, I know we should have hit a heck of a lot more birds, but Teal have a great way of humbling, uh, humbling us. And uh, from there, uh, we, we got to spend time in the field. We spent seven days up there uh, shooting, shooting birds, working on properties, and uh, playing with dogs. And it was just a great experience. So I hope everyone else, if you haven't gotten out, get out with your kids. Get out with someone that hasn't hunted before and get more people involved in this wonderful sport that we all love. Stay tuned next for a training tip about handling after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. 
On this week's training tip, I wanted to talk about the importance of getting your dog lined up when you're going to send them on either a blind retrieve or even on a marked retrieve. Uh, we hunt primarily on water uh, when, when I take my kids out and we go on our hunts and we're hunting out of blinds or we're hunting off mud seats. There were several times during this last teal season that we had multiple birds down and it was trying to get the dogs lined up where you weren't on a shore. You weren't on a spot that you could have them heal uh, like you would in training. So it was actually grabbing the dog's collar and using that to get them so that they were lined up. Even if they were, even if they were uh, somewhat uh, dog paddling to stay next to you, getting your hand out in front of them with your line you want the, to take them on and telling them either back or sending them on their name. It was actually a challenge and it's something that I've never thought of because I tell clients you have to heal dogs, but what do you do when the dogs can't heal per se where they're sitting on something? And that is what our hunting is all like. So this was interesting to me because it was getting the dog out it was using their collar to get them pointed in the direction that I wanted, like they were healing, and then quickly putting my hand out in front of them and, and giving them the, uh, the command to go get a marked retrieve or saying back on a blind retrieve so that I still had the dog lined up with their snoot and spine pointed in the right direction, and they would take a good solid line so that when I handled them, uh, they, they weren't off by 45 degrees. Uh, it was something that I was trying to teach my son as well. He's 15. He had just now been handling dogs for the first time on a hunt. So I was teaching him that as well. Hey, grab him by the collar. Okay, get yourself lined up. Get the dog lined up and now send him. It's really important that we get the dog lined up so that they are going in a straight line and they're not bending over to that line. If the dog is going 45 degrees from where you want them to go, you're constantly going to be in this handling argument with the dog where you're having to handle them. If you can get them lined up straight, you're going to have more, I guess, fine tuning on that line with your handling so that you aren't having to give gross handles to, to move them from one area to another, uh, which can get really tough when you've got multiple birds that have been dropping. The dog's going to want to go to old falls and you're going to have to call them out of those old falls. So if you can start them on a line uh, where that current fall is or where the blind is, you're going to be in a lot better position. So that would be something, again, that you're going to want to work on in your training. You're also going to want to work on with hunting. I work with healing drills on dogs all the time during training so that they do know that I want them to line up perfectly and so that they trust me with the line that I gave them. But with this working in water, I can see what I need to do with my personal dogs because how I hunt, I need to work with them in the water so that maybe their paws are barely touching the ground or maybe they're floating and, and just uh, I'm supporting them by their vest or by their collar and I'm giving them that line and sending them. So that is this week's training tip. Stay tuned for our hunting tip about scouting and what we dealt with during teal season this year coming up next. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. On this week's hunting tip, I'm going to beat a dead horse. It's going to be about scouting. We went up for teal season in Wisconsin. It's one week long. And we own two properties. And 
it would be very easy for me to say, we'll do what we did last year, uh, where we would just hunt how we did last year. This year, uh, we had the time. We were up a day early. I had been up the week before. We really did scouting so that we could have some fantastic hunts. We had some good hunts uh, where we, where we for Wisconsin, if you get between five and ten birds, that's a good hunt. Um, we had uh, many of those, but we had a couple of hunts where one day we got our limits and another day uh, we were close to our limits, should have had our limits. We went through a lot of shells and didn't do as much uh, hitting as we did missing. But both of those times, there was one area that honestly wasn't even on our property that I had scouted and it was a pond that was very similar to what we hunt. But for some reason, I believe it's because the water was lower in this one area than compared to where we normally hunted, that it held the birds. They were eating something there. There were birds there. You could go scout it at like noon, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. The birds were there and it was really, really cool to see them there. We hunted it one day. We had a great hunt. We could have hunted it the next day because we had a wonderful hunt, but we let it sit for another four days and it was so loaded with birds that morning that it was, it's, it was just, a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, again, watch where the birds are. If you can use binoculars, see if they're feeding or if they're just resting. Um, I wished I could understand what they're eating. I'm going to talk to a biologist and see what they were eating uh, because I've never seen these birds and these numbers that, that were in this certain area before. But you're going to watch the birds. You're going to see what they're eating, and it is so important. We would have gotten probably, I'd say, you know, two guys. We'd probably get between five and eight birds a day, uh, which, is, which is great for Wisconsin, again, for, especially for teal season when you can only shoot teal. Um, because we have some solid areas we hunt, but this was the difference where we had where the birds wanted to be as the as opposed to where the birds normally are. Uh, I hope you can understand that. But put your time in, see what the birds are eating, whether it's in a field hunt or whether it's in a water hunt, and then the other thing is even see where they're landing, see where they are at in that particular field or piece of water, because it could be something that they're eating particular to that area so that you're not off by 50 yards and watching birds and taking long shots as opposed to uh, getting birds. So season is upon us. Make sure you're out scouting. See why the birds are at where they're at and really enjoy this year. Take out someone new hunting. Have a great year. Get your dogs out. We've all been waiting for this moment through a long 2020. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. God bless. Sporting dog adventures run